I um, spent some time in prayer, and I want you to know that God still changes things. That's what I come to this pulpit to say today. He still changes things when nobody else can. Don't wait on the government. Don't wait on the banks or wait on something to happen in the stock market. God still changes things. Just go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Would you just go with me to Genesis 8? And let's look at verse 20 real quick. I'm finishing up. This isn't leftovers, I promise you. Even though I had some of these notes last week and I wanted to finish with this story of Noah, I, I want you to know that this has been freshly prepared. <laughs> and I'm ready for you. I hope you're ready for me today. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Where did he get all those? Well, he got them out of the ark. Everybody say sacrifice. The Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, everybody say God's talking to himself here. Anybody like that last week? How many knew that God talked to himself? I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold, heat, summer, winter, day and night shall not cease. When God smelled his worship at the altar, when God smelled his sacrifice, he started speaking to himself and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set some things in order and some promises in place. And so I just want to tell you a little bit. I'll, I'll give you my title today a little bit later, but I just want to tell you that whenever you offer a sacrifice to God, God is blessed by it. God sees it. And the Bible says that he smelled it. God doesn't have a nose. I mean, God is a spirit, John 4, 24. So he didn't have a physical body till he was born through a womb of Mary. And now... In, in this passage, it's before the, the coming of Jesus. It's just that God recognizes when we honor him with our sacrifice. That's what it's saying. He recognizes it, and he loves it, and he starts to think good thoughts toward us when we do it. So I'm going to preach a little bit about sacrifice. I'm going to preach a little bit about faith. I'm going to preach a little bit about the change that can happen in our life whenever God smells our sacrifice. Would you help me pray for just a minute, Lord? We want to pursue you in this moment. We want our hearts to be open. We want you to implant or do a transplant if you have to or, or do some sort of transformational work in our heart through your word. Let us be changed. Let us be brought out of places where we've been stuck. Let us see the work of the Lord through the word of the Lord and let us use it and apply it to our life. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Brother Dean. Everybody thank Brother Dean real quick. Just give him some love. Amen. I don't know if you know this, but he's always doing little projects around here. And, and when you see something beautiful show up, he might have had a hand in it. <laughs> Just let you know, he's a good man. And he's working on little things around here and making them beautiful. Thank you, Brother Dinicus. We love you.
I, I went to the bank the other day. How many still go to the bank? Anybody still go to the bank? Some of us still go to the bank. <laughs> Some of us deposit our checks electronically and never go to the bank anymore. But I went to the bank for a specific purpose because I heard a rumor that uh, they may start to do away with change. Have you heard this rumor? That they might not use change anymore. And some say, well, I guess it's kind of propaganda, and I apologize for bringing that to the pulpit. But some have said that there, there's going to be a, a section of, of time in our economy where we'll have a superinflation, and everything that is 50 cents or, or lower will just be jacked up to the next dollar, and you'll just pay an even amount. And then others say other things that, that you know, it's, it's just... Um, some some of it's just complete conspiracy, but I decided that if change is going to go away, I don't know the truth. You know, I'm looking for the truth here. But if change is going to go away, then I want to make sure that I get all the change in my house to the bank. Anybody ever do this kind of thing, where you're like, okay, well, I'm definitely getting money out of this change that I have sitting around. So I take all my change in this big bag and I go to the bank and I say. I'd like to, you know, I pull into the drive-thru and I can see him in the window and I hold my bag up and I'm like, I have this change. I want to get, I want to put this in my account. And they're like, we're sorry, we're not accepting any change right now. And I'm like, ah, okay. I have smaller, like little sandwich bags. I'll take the change in the big bag, put it in smaller bags so it can go through the tube. And they're like, no, don't do that. The tube cannot handle that weight to come in to the bank. And I'm like, oh. Oh, okay, what, what can I do? Can I set an appointment with a banker and bring my change? No, we're not receiving change right now. And on the sign, on the thing, it says, we're sorry, but because the Federal Reserve has not given us change, we are short of change. So please withdraw and deposit, if possible, in lump sums equal to a dollar. And I'm like, you're asking for change. I have change. You don't want my change. Anybody see a problem here? I'm trying to help. Just want it to be a blessing. And so I finally decided, okay, I know what I'll do. Banks like order, and, and then they're fi- they finally, she kind of says, well, sir, just, you know, we don't know where the change has been because of COVID-19. We don't really want to handle a bunch of change right now. I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. Great. I'll, I'll bring it back after COVID's gone, and I'll, I'll sterilize all my change. I'll, I'll run it through the wash or something. Now I'm laundering money. Don't put that online. Don't, don't put that online. I am not laundering any money. <laughs> But what I decided to do was I got this real bright idea that I would go to Walgreens and get those little tubes, you know, the little coin tubes, and you put all your money in there, and then it's counted for them. They don't have to count it. I'm making it better for their life. I'm blessing the bankers. And so I went, and I got these tubes, and then we, I came home one night, and it was like a Friday night, and Seth and Eden and all of us were around, and we spread out all the money on the counter, and we started counting change and putting them in the tubes, and by Saturday, I had them all in these little tubes, and those little tubes, if I only send two or three, they'll go through the chute. I could put them in the bank and send them in, you know, and I'm like, yes, this is going to be a win. Go back to the bank, and I'm like, hey, I want to deposit my change, and I hold up the bag, and they're all in little tubes, right? And they're like, I'm sorry, we're not accepting change. I'm like, but I have them in coin tubes. I have them the way that you want them. It's already counted, and they're like, yeah, we're sorry, but the reserve, Federal Reserve, uh, is not picking up our change or delivering change. The U.S. Mint is shut down, and they're not producing the change that we need. And I'm like, but I have change for you. I have it right here. Just take my change. And I was just standing there thinking, man, what, what is going on in our world when 
When you have something to give them that they want and they need and that could help other people, but they won't take it from you. And I thought, you know what's funny is I have an entire book of change. Amen, somebody? I have an entire Bible full of change. And no matter sometimes how I try to present it to somebody, no matter how many sermon series I put it into, no matter how nice the graphic titles are up on the wall, sometimes people will just not take the change that's offered them from the Word of God. Somebody said amen. And so I want to preach today that even though the world may not have change anymore, maybe we'll end up having only electronic debits and deposits, but I want you to know that the church still has change. Amen? The church still offers a place where you can be altered at an altar of God. Amen? And based on that understanding, I see in Noah a beautiful picture of a man who walks off a boat. He doesn't have a place to live. He doesn't have a place to build anything that he's already, that he would need for sustenance. He doesn't even have food unless he eats what's come off the ark or eats the vegetation that's there. But he hasn't gone to get himself a salad. He hasn't gone to get himself any food. Maybe even ham, sham, and japheth are like, Dad, we haven't cooked anything. We haven't started a fire fire in 150 days at least. We need to eat something, and maybe they brought food with them. I don't know, but this is the first time where they could offer up a sacrifice, and Noah decides first things first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The picture here is that if you build an altar first, God will take care of the rest. Oh, I feel like preaching today. I might be a little bit apostolic if you don't mind. Prayer is transformational. Do you know that? Prayer is transformational. It's not transactional. I was raised in a church. I grew up understanding that we're supposed to pray, but my understanding was limited, Brother Dean, because I thought that you prayed to get things from God. That when you prayed, that's what gave you the opportunity to say, God, you know, I spent an hour in prayer. Now you need, to, you need to kick in and help me out here. But what I realized is prayer is not transactional. Prayer is relational. And when I thought that prayer was changing God, I found out as I walk with God, when I got to Bible college and began to spend time in prayer, that, that prayer is actually relational. Prayer changes you. Amen, somebody? Prayer changes you because it begins to work on your will and on your desires. And it begins to transplant in your heart desires of God and not desires of flesh. And you begin to work through the things that you struggle with. And as you pray your way through, God will make a difference. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't know that prayer works. Yes, I'm preaching about prayer today because prayer is what changes us. Amen? Jesus wouldn't have died if it didn't work. Jesus wouldn't have gone to the cross if prayer didn't work because he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. I said it this, this week on life groups when I was teaching that he went from amen to answer, but he only did it by submitting his will in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And so I'm thankful today that I know that change is still in the church. I know that I can come here and I can pray and things will happen. But I will be changed first. Then things will be changed in my life. Yes, he can change the environment. Yes, he can change the atmosphere in this place when we pray. Yes, he can change the economy when we pray. In fact, the first century church turned their world upside down. They literally changed their world, and some would say they were turning their world right side up because it had been turned upside down by sin, and they were spreading throughout Ethiopia and all the world, and they were bringing a gospel that turned the world right side back up and brought righteousness to the world. I'm grateful that I know that this scripture still works. I'm grateful that I know that the story of my testimony has power. I'm grateful that I know that there's a power in the name of Jesus. That it can still turn a world that's upside down, right side up. That it can still turn a marriage that's upside down, right side up. That it can still change a life and bring children home and save prodigals. Amen, somebody. That no matter how messed up or upside down this world gets, the church still has the power by prayer to make a change and to alter what is happening in this world. The greatest lie ever told the church is that we cannot make change. And I know I'm playing with words a little bit because my pastor used to do that all the time and I have have an enjoyment in playing with (laughs) words. But I want you to know we still have change available because prayer changes things. And I told you a little bit about Kendra Shock and how they can't even tell when she's announced to come up and speak what city she's from or state she's from or what church she goes to in the United States, she had to literally remove her entire identity physically on this earth in order to go into a dangerous nation. And she cannot speak the name of Jesus there. In fact, she said that it's like pop rocks going off inside of you. She literally went from North American Youth Congress to... I don't know where my note went that I had all this on. It disappeared. Thank you, Seth. Oh, I found it. Hey, hey. miracles happen in pastor's notes. She said that it was literally like pop rocks going off inside of her because she couldn't show it. You can't show it. You can't speak the name in Muslim countries. You can't speak about Jesus or the Holy Ghost. You can't speak about anything over there. All you can do is literally hold it in. In fact, in some places, even in the semi, she went to a semi-unsafe country before she went into the, the very dangerous country. And even in that country, they would put their hands over their mouth and shout Jesus into their palm whenever they felt the Holy Ghost so strong because they're living a sacrifice. They're living Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that they're presenting their bodies a living sacrifice unto God every single day. They could take a bullet for this. She could have taken a bullet for going into this nation if she even mentioned the name of Jesus. And so she has to wear all the headdress and everything going into that nation. And they walk around the nation and they, they don't expect anything from going there. All the expense of getting out of their identity, separating themselves from any accounts in America, separating themselves from any phone accounts. They have to literally go over there with a burner phone. They cannot have anything tying them to America. Go into the semi-unsafe nation and then go into these nations. And as they're walking, they're literally covered up. They do the headdress. And they're literally walking and they're just saying, in Jesus' name, 
In Jesus' name. Under their breath, they're saying, they can't say it out loud, and they're even saying it in their mind. They're praying in their mind, walking through the nation, because they believe the power of prayer is so strong to change that even a Muslim nation will be changed if somebody will step in and put their foot down and say, this needs to be taken for the cross. This needs to be taken for the name of Jesus. And so they sacrificed their earthly identity just to go somewhere and speak the name of Jesus. If they don't know something that we don't know, then, then I want what they have. I want a double blessing of the, of the spirit that they have, that when they believe that if I go in there and I just speak the name, even if in my mind God will make change in that nation, then I believe I can have that kind of power, that kind of stand, that kind of stick that I can believe that God can do something here. Even if on my job, if I can't even say Jesus in a meeting, but I can say it in my mind, then I can change the atmosphere in that boardroom. I can change the atmosphere in a meeting that I go into or, or something that, I, that I'm doing that I'm wanting God to, to, to alter. When there's an altercation that comes up, just build an altar, brothers and sisters, and it will alter the overall change that you need. All the things we need are found through prayer. She's always had, she always had an armed guard with her because they're always wondering, what are you doing in our country? Heavily Muslim, literally nothing is allowed by law other than that. But she's walking the streets just saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Not loud enough for anybody else to hear but God, but she's praying for change. What could you do if you've got that kind of burden? What could you do in your own life, at your school, with your kids, online, when the Zoom session comes up and the teacher's on? Could you just say Jesus over that classroom? Could you just, could you just use this all-powerful, non-stopping, unstoppable name just on your lips? Wherever you go, just start speaking the name of Jesus. Build an altar right where you are, wherever you are, and watch what God does with that. Watch what happens when the church starts to bring the change we need. The church is called to be change agents, and I want to be one. I want to be one. I wonder if the church, and I'll say it this way, I wonder if the church would live as if there was no power unless we prayed. I wonder if the church started living like that. There's no power that, that our, our services would be dry and and our songs would seem to hit the, the ceiling and come back down. And, and there would be no moving of the Holy Ghost if we lived without prayer. But we don't. And that's the beautiful thing. We know that prayer works. In fact, Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. It's not something to repeat. It's a model of how we pray on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, meaning we need to go to God every day to get bread and nourishment for our spirit. Give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But my God can do more than we even understand if we will just pray. As we begin to open this service today, Sarah, so greatly led us in prayer. And did you feel the environment change? Did anyone here feel the environment change as we began to pray? You know what that is? That's all of us making ourselves a living sacrifice, like Romans 12 says. It said, I beseech ye, therefore, through the mercies of God, 
that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The living sacrifice there is said because we all need an altar in our life. Sometimes people ask me, how do you know you're in the will of God, Pastor? And I tell them, because I have an altar of sacrifice in my life. And I will not get out of the will of God whenever I have an altar that I stop at every single day. I will not get out of God's will whenever I'm praying and seeking God's will every single day. Even if I misstep, he'll use the misstep to take me to the right step. That's the kind of God we serve. Sacrifice is difficult, though. I know that. Sacrifice is hard. It grinds on every bit of your flesh. It grinds on every bit of your life. And I know that sacrifice is the act of giving up something that you want to keep. I know that. But whenever God smells sacrifice, he begins to think beautiful thoughts toward us. What is a sacrifice? The reason why I tell you that I know that I can walk in God's will is because I have an altar in my life and because I give God sacrifices. And some people will say, well, how do I know if I'm really sacrificing? Because you will feel it. You will feel it. It will hurt to give God a sacrifice. And if you don't feel it, maybe God doesn't either. If you don't feel, if it does not hurt you, if it does not take something out of your life, if it does not affect your flesh, if you don't have to fight your flesh to put it on the altar, then maybe it's not a sacrifice at all. But if you do put it on the altar, if you do every day fight that alarm and get up and go to prayer, if you do every day push your flesh aside or push your, your desire to just tell it like it is or to, to just come off and, and just tell them off once and for all, if you fight that and push that flesh back and you say, I'm going to bless and not curse, I'm going to pray for them anyways, I'm going to stand in the gap for somebody that doesn't deserve it, I'm going to love mine enemies even though they mistreat me. If you put yourself on an altar every day of sacrifice, God will smell it and God will change your life. And what happened here is God changed the season of Noah's life from an altar that he had erected. The first thing he did was he built an altar. But you know what's wrong with a living sacrifice? Do you hear me today? You know what's wrong with a living sacrifice? Every other sacrifice in the Old Testament was dead. But living sacrifices have a tendency to crawl off the altar. We just do. We have a tendency to put ourselves on the altar and then crawl right back off. Believe me, I've asked the Lord so many times at an altar, how long do I have to wait for revival? How long do I have to wait for this or that? How long do I have to wait for my brother's and sister's marriage to be mended? How long do I have to wait for a breakthrough? But every time I'm at the altar, he tells me, if you just keep building this altar, I will bring it to pass in my timing. God knows how long to keep me, amen? God knows how long to hold me until it's the right time. And so stay on the altar while God is all altering your future, stay on the altar as a living sacrifice. I know it doesn't feel good. I, I've been through that. I know it hurts. But that sacrifice, brothers and sisters, and God loves a living sacrifice. You know why the Bible says we have a high priest that be, can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities? Because he came 
in a body and suffered on this earth. He could be touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he made himself a sacrifice, Brother Jordan, because he made himself a sacrifice for us. That is the substitution that we see in Scripture. As he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus wept drops of blood. Gethsemane means oil press. Did you know that? It means oil press. It means that whenever you offer yourself as a living sacrifice like Jesus did, there's going to be pressure. Everybody say pressure. And I love to play with words. Can I help you with this? Next time you feel pressure, this will be worth coming out. I promise you it's worth the gas money. If you ever feel pressure in your life, don't look at it as just stress. Look at it as an invitation and separate the first P-R-E-S from the back part of the word and just say, press, sure, and then put an exclamation point. Press, I know there's one S missing, but work with me here. (laughs) Press, question mark, sure, I'll keep pressing because that's what Jesus did. I'll keep pressing because until you get in the press, you won't have the oil that flows. And oil is what's used to keep things moving. And oil is what keeps your spirit moving and your life alive. I will stay on the altar and I will press. Pressure, you bet we have pressure. But press, sure, I'll keep pressing. When I feel pressure, I'm just going to go to my altar and say, Lord, I'm going to keep pressing. Sure, if this is what you want me to do, I'm going to keep pressing. I will be like Jesus, and I will press on, amen, who for the joy set before him, he pressed, not because he was just looking at the cross, not because he was just looking at the sacrifice. He stepped beyond the sacrifice. He stepped beyond the feelings even though he felt it and he didn't want it in his own flesh and he cried out, praying from flesh to spirit. He stepped beyond it into the change that is produced by sacrifice. And I come to tell somebody today, look at the victory. Look at the the sacrifice that brings victory. Step beyond this moment into the joy that's set before us. Heaven that's awaiting. Even if God does not answer here, he will answer strong one day. And so Jesus is our example of the pressure that can come from being a living sacrifice. But there's only that option. There's not another option for us. It's either you keep pressing by faith or you turn and, and, and start protecting everything by fear. You either walk by faith or you're going to walk by fear. And I want to ask you today, what, what are you using to build your life? Are you building your life by faith? Or are you building your life out of fear? Have you done everything you can to make sure that there's nothing ever going to hurt you? Or are you willing to just press even when it hurts and walk by faith even when it's difficult? And are you willing to keep going even if it means laying down at an altar and fighting your fear? Because the first thing you run into, I said it last week, when you want something from God and when you begin to pray is you begin to fight your fears. But we know that Noah didn't build by faith. Fear, he built by faith. Amen? Did you know that Noah had a grandson named Cush? 
and Cush gave birth to a man by the name of Nimrod. And Nimrod built the Assyrian people. He built a place. They had all migrated into, out of the, off of the mountains of Ararat, into the lower plains of Sinar. And the people were not doing as God had told Noah. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. They were staying in one area. And Nimrod rose up, and the scripture tells us that Nimrod was the first on earth to be a mighty man. A mighty man, a mighty hunter before the Lord, Genesis 10 and verse 8 through 12 tells us. He built the city called Nineveh. You know that city? Anybody know about the story of Jonah? That city was built by Nimrod. That city also became known as Babylon at some point. And we understand that that is in Mesopotamia, but we we do know that now in modern days, it's modern-day Iraq. And so we understand that that particular man was building something in the desert that he wanted, they said, was a rebellious nature against God. He built a tower. Everybody say a tower. And that tower he built, and some people say that he built it completely out of rebellion to God. But I I was studying, and I found that Josephus, a historian, said that Nimrod, when he built the, the Tower of Babel in 2242 B.C., he built the tower not just out of fear, but not just out of rebellion, but out of fear for another flood. He was afraid, and so he built a tower to the sky that said that whenever a flood comes, if there was ever another Noah's flood, we would be safe because we'd go to the top of the tower, and we'd be like God's because nothing can destroy us, but God will not allow something to stand that is built by fear, brothers and sisters. Hear me well. God will tear down anything in your life that you have built by fear because the just shall live by faith and we have to understand that when we build something in fear God will have to tear it down so he can build something in faith so that he gets the glory from our story amen that he always gets the glory from our life Noah had nothing but he built by fear and I'm so thankful that I know what do I do when I feel fear? Well, I go to an altar. I build an altar. I build a place of prayer. Why? Because that keeps me from building in fear because that will not stand. And so Nimrod built in fear and Noah built an altar in faith. What are you building right now? Can you build an altar in a new place? Can you build an altar in an uncomfortable place? Can you build an altar in a different place? In a place where you have no money? Can you build an altar? I've been there. I, I, I Personally, I, I've been there. Can you build an altar at a graveside service when you're burying a loved one? Can you build an altar in family struggles? Can you build an altar when someone walks out on you? Can you build an altar? No matter what's going on in your life, can you build an altar and by faith believe God? putting yourself on it as a living sacrifice. And he offered it up with fire. You know why he uses fire? You know why fire shows up in every single altar that's a sin sacrifice in Scripture? It's because you can't take it back. 
when you offer something on an altar, set it on fire with the Holy Ghost because you cannot take it back. You must never go back to where you were in fear. You must always stay in faith. Amen? And so we understand that Nimrod built in fear and Noah built in faith. If anybody, if anybody had the right to build in fear, don't you think it was Noah? I mean, he went into an ark pitched within and without, and they heard the clawing and the screams. You talk about traumatic. That's some PTSD. Just PTSD alone would have, would have caused you to build a tower. I don't want to be in no flood. He had the right to build. Of the, all the people that had a right to build in fear, Noah said, no, I'm not going to be guided by my fears. I'm going to build an altar in faith. And he offered off the boat sacrifices that could not be replaced. He gave a sacrifice that pleased the Lord. And so that's a place where I find myself at. Thank you, Lord, that you changed me at the altar. Has anybody ever walked to an altar before with no answers and came away feeling like you had an answer even though the situation hadn't changed yet? That is the altering of an altar. That is the change I'm talking about in the church. The world can marginalize us. The world can say this book is just a history book, but it's not. The Holy Ghost still moves in our churches. Change still happens, and it happens at an altar. Amen? Why do you think we have this space up front, not just for semantics or, or for aesthetics? This is where people come and kneel down, and they change things, not because they're able to, but because God is able to. And they pray prayers that change lives and change hearts and turn family members around. It's the fire on the altar that pours out when the Holy Ghost falls and people say, I'm never going back to my old ways. I'm never going back to the ways that I used to live. I'm not going to be a bar fly anymore. I'm not going to drink myself into a coma. I'm going to give everything to God. His peace and his love cannot be found in a bottle, cannot be found in a drug, but it still can be found at the altar. The church still has changed for this world. So I'm building in faith, believing that God can change everything, that he can turn it around. And no, the bank didn't want my change, but I hope the church wants his. I hope the church wants his, because there's nothing more beautiful than a walk with God and an altar in your life in a moment of absolute desperation and just walking down my stairs and going into my office and crawling into my closet and just kneeling down and saying, God, I don't know what to do in this situation, but you're the God of all resource. You have cattle on a thousand hills, the Bible says, and, and you're able to do all things. And if you would just reach in and touch, I'll stay on the altar if you just alter the situation. I'll stay on the altar and I'll pray and I'll build by faith. I know there's moments where I want to build by fear, but I reject those feelings. I reject that, that tendency and I keep building in faith. What if people don't want it? I don't know who's going to want this and who's not. I don't know who's going to call me on Saturday night and say they, they, they have to be gone because they're going to be selling t-shirts at Walmart for their niece or nephew. I don't know who, who doesn't put value in this word and value in the change that the church offers, but I still do. I'll be here. I'll be praying. I'll be preaching. I'll be reaching. Would you like to have a part of something that could still change the world?
Would you like to have a part of an understanding that's not an ideology? It's not some religious dead dude that got back up. It's not some foretold future that's never going to happen. It's not some sort of cult that's going to leave the earth someday on a meteorite. No, no. This is actually the word of God. And Jesus is coming back for his church. And if we don't build by faith, we will stop looking for his coming. And we won't prepare for his return. Amen, somebody. And I want to be ready, but I also don't want to lose my faith that the church has what it takes to answer the questions of this world. He is the answer, and he always will be. Change is still available. You don't have to stay addicted. I know because I'm not addicted, and I was. I know because I came out when I shouldn't. I should have been a statistic, but I'm not. I live a victorious life. Why? Because this word works. And living an altar, an altered life only comes from living with an altar in your life. And I want you to know that we have to not get deaf ears to being prepared for the Lord's coming. We've heard it for so long. Noah preached for a hundred years. Get on the boat. And he still had to hear the cries outside the wall. Because some just won't take the change that's offered them. And I'm wondering today, has the message grown a little bit dull for you? Have you heard Jesus has come in so many times that you haven't been baptized yet and you could just take care of it next week? Or maybe you haven't moved forward in your faith yet. I wonder if there's somebody here that understands that we still have to prepare even if we've heard it for a hundred years. We still have to get on the ark of salvation, and that is Jesus Christ, our Savior. And if you haven't done that, please do that today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. I've closed caskets on 12-year-olds. I've closed caskets on 90-year-olds. We're not given tomorrow, but we are given salvation today. We're given salvation today. When the plane landed in the Hudson River, maybe you saw the movie, maybe you read the book. When the FAA did their examination of the crash and they began to look at video footage and things that they had, they realized that even though people are told every single time you get on a plane what they have to do in case of a water landing, only four people left that plane that day with their flotation device secured properly. The rest of the plane didn't know how to put their flotation device on properly. And they've heard it every single time they fly. And so the FFA, the F, FFA decided that they needed to figure out a new way to do it. We have to come up with a new way that people are hearing the old message. I want to tell you, we don't have to have a new way to preach the old message. We just need to remember that if we've heard it a thousand times, it's still just as urgent as the first time we heard it. Put on your flotation device, brothers and sisters. We're getting out of here. The Lord is coming back for his church, and it should be as if you heard it for the first time. Don't let your ears grow deaf to the fact that God is bringing change, and there's going to be one day when we're changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. This change will work, 
and it'll work even when we take on our glorified body and we get out of here at the trumpet sound. And I'm so glad the church still has changed for me because when it gets ugly out there, I'm going to keep building my faith, brothers and sisters. I'm going to keep building. You know what the opposite of faith is? You may have different opinion of me. I may cross swords with you right now, but the Bible says we should live by faith, not by sight. Some people say fear is the opposite of faith. The Bible seems to tell me that sight is the opposite of faith. That what we're going to see will not look like the church is effective or there's things that are unaffected. But there's going to be a church on this last day. There are millions in China right now, communist China, that speak in tongues and are filled with God's spirit and walk with God and have a faith life. There are, there are people all over the world that literally cannot show themselves, but they are walking with God. Church still has change as long as we keep our altar. When I don't know what to do, I just run to an altar, and God helps me to know what to do. Stand with me if you would today. I hope this helped you. I hope you understand that you're not given tomorrow. So make it right today. If you've not been baptized in the lovely name of Jesus, we can baptize you today. If you've not received the Holy Ghost, I pray you come to an altar and you put your life in, in the Lord, and you, and you begin to pray and seek God. You know, you know and I know that the Holy Ghost fills us, and we speak in another language as the Spirit gives the utterance. It is God who speaks through us. But that prayer language and that language that some have said is just a prayer language, it's so much more than that. But we have to understand that that is what keeps us on our altar. That is what helps us in strength and power. And that's what gives us the lasting change. The Holy Spirit changes us. Amen? And if you haven't had the Holy Ghost fill your life, you can have that happen today. Would you lift your hands and just say, Lord, if you have to change me, change me. Lord, to change my situations, maybe you need to work on me. For somebody in this room right now, you've been asking the Lord why. And God's been having you in a, in a holding pattern because he needs to change you first. And I'm so grateful that I can tell you today that the church has changed, that we can still change. doesn't matter where you came from. doesn't matter what you've done. God can alter your life and turn it around because we are the church and we still want to change. Lift your hands to the Lord if you're comfortable with that. Let's pray together. Jesus, all over this room, there are people who want to make a change in their life. And you have offered it at an altar. And I'm going to open this altar today, Lord. And whoever comes here today, I pray it'd be their first move, not their last. But like Noah, that's their first thing they do as they go to an altar. I'm not worried about lunch today. I'm not worried about what comes next. I'm not worried about what's going to happen in the revival. But maybe somebody would come to an altar. I'm opening this altar right now. If you come, I promise you, this is not transactional. It's relational today, but there's going to be a change. Would you build an altar first? Would you build an altar first before anything else? Come on, Noah. Put God first. Build in faith. Maybe you have some things that you've been building in fear. Maybe you've been fearing losing somebody in a relationship. Maybe you've been fearing having some things happen that just that just are out of your control. Right now, you need to surrender that on a living sacrifice altar. Right now, I surrender the changes that are happening to you, Jesus. I surrender the changes that are happening to you in my life. 
I surrender the, the things that are going on in my heart, in my emotions, in my body. I surrender it to you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray. There's a quiet hush in this room, and that's okay because some people are standing at altars in their mind. Close your eyes and stand at an altar and just offer yourself as a sacrifice to him.